Hi, everyone. Welcome to Narcissism Recovery Podcast. My name is Yitz Epstein. I am your host. I am a narcissistic abuse life coach, and today I'll be discussing narcissism from a Bowen family systems perspective. Psychiatrist Dr. Murray Bowen created the Bowen family system theory, which is a theory of human behavior that views the family as an emotional unit that uses systems thinking to describe the complex interactions in the unit. According to Dr. Murray Bowen, the nature of a family is that all members are intensely connected emotionally. Because of this close connection, oftentimes it can lead to feeling enmeshed or oftentimes feeling neglected, distant, disconnected from other family members. Now this is more emotionally speaking, not necessarily physically speaking. Families so profoundly affect each other based on our specific thoughts, our feelings, our actions. Oftentimes it feels like members in the same household are living in the same emotional skin. According to Dr. Bowen, people solicit each other's attention, approval, and support and react towards each, towards each other's needs and expectations and disappointments. The connectedness and the reactivity makes the functioning of the family members interdependent. Everything affects everything else. So one member's reactivity or feelings of disappointment, anger, frustration, sadness, uh, feeling disconnected will ultimately affect the other members in the unit. Of course, every family has a different idea of this, a different system set up. However, every family is and cannot get away from the fact that they are interdependent and affected by its members. The emotional interdependence between the members of the unit presumably evolved to promote the cohesiveness and cooperation families require to protect themselves, to shelter, and feed the members of their family units. Heightened tensions, however, can intensify these processes that promote unity and teamwork, and this can lead to issues, to familial problems. For example, when some of the family members get anxious or fearful, this anxiety can escalate by spreading infectiously among its members, whoever's connected to them. As the anxiety goes up, the emotional connectedness of family members becomes more stressful than comforting. They get, in a sense, more negative emotions than positive. Eventually, one or more of the family members feels overwhelmed, feels isolated, and or out of control. These are the people who try to accommodate the most to reduce the tensions in others so they can ultimately feel emotionally regulated and feel inner peace and peace in the family unit. It is a reciprocal interaction. For example, a person may either take too much responsibility for the distress of others in the relationship where there are unrealistic expectations of him, or a person may give too much or give away his power to think and the ability to make decisions in the relationship where others are anxiously telling him what to do. The family member who does the most accommodating, the most shape-shifting, the most trying to people-please and keep the unit at peace is going to literally absorb the anxiety of the system and thus is the family's most valuable member vulnerable to problems later in life such as depression, alcoholism, affairs, or physical illness. This is most usually the scapegoat child. According to Dr. Murray Bowen, there are eight significant and interconnected aspects to his theory. I'm going to discuss uh, each of the eight, and then I'm going to talk about how they apply to the narcissistic family dynamic and to narcissism. The first of the eight aspects are triangles. A triangle is a three-person relationship system. It is considered the building block or the molecule of the larger emotional systems because a triangle is the smallest stable relationship system. A two-person system is unstable because it tolerates little tension before involving a third person. A triangle can contain much more tension without involving another person because the tension can shift around three relationships. 
Spreading this tension can stabilize a system, however, nothing gets resolved. Now, when it comes to narcissism or narcissistic abuse, I can imagine you've heard the term triangulation. So this is often an abuse tactic that, in essence, creates a triangle with its victim. It pulls a third person in to use against, as a sort of an ally against the victim. In a sense, it creates a bond outside of the original bond to alleviate tensions and is notoriously used as an abuse tactic by narcissistic abusers to, in essence, humiliate, uh, mistreat, and really diminish the value of the victim who is pinned against. In narcissistic families, the narcissistic parent will actually pull the child into their adult relationship with their partner if there's relationship dysfunction and use them to soothe that relationship dysfunction by using the child as sort of a, a parentified child, uh, sort of enmeshing with them and using them as a sort of spouse in order to alleviate the loneliness that they feel as a result of not having their emotional needs met by the partner. Victims of this form of abuse, of triangulation, of being triangulated into an adult relationship oftentimes feel extremely invisible and often describe themselves as being extremely angry once they uh, realize that they have been an unwitting participant in a parent-child triangle. The next concept is differentiation of self. This is the variance in individuals in their susceptibility to depend on others for acceptance and approval. So in narcissistic homes, when it comes to narcissism, there will always be enmeshment. And what happens is that the any individuation is going to be a threat to the narcissist because ultimately the whole dynamic is needed to uh, enmesh. Everyone's needed to play a specific role to supply for the narcissistic abuser. So therefore, when someone decides that they want to have an individuated sense of self, they're going to sort of rock the boat. They're going to mess up the equilibrium of the dysfunction. And therefore, there is going to be a large pull to pull that individual back into the dysfunctional unit. Many victims of abuse do not have a differentiated sense of self. They don't have a whole sense of self, and therefore they attract narcissists, they become codependent who attract narcissists, uh, really not having the ability to set boundaries because ultimately they don't really know who they are. They haven't really been able to develop a sense of self. The third concept is nuclear family emotional system. So this is the four relationship patterns that define where problems may develop in a family include marital conflict, dysfunction in one spouse, impairment in one or more children, or emotional distance. So these are all most usually found in narcissistic homes. There's usually marital conflict, mostly because there's the inability to have healthy interconnection. There's most usually dysfunction in one spouse, even if one is narcissistic and one is codependent, both in fact are dysfunctional. There's usually impairment in the children because there's not emotional attunement, not unconditional love, and not the ability to develop a healthy sense of self. And of course, there's emotional distance because there's really a lack of emotional availability in the family members for the most part. The fourth concept is the family projection process. This is the idea of the transmission of emotional problems from a parent to a child. So I can imagine you've heard of narcissistic projection, which essentially is the inability to take ownership of one's sense of self and ultimately a denial state where they neglect parts of themselves or they reject parts of their sense of self, the parts that they feel shameful about, the narcissist most specifically we're talking about, but really it's, I believe, all members of the unit and they project it onto other people. So the parents usually uh, project it onto the child, the child then absorbs that projection and becomes that very thing. So for example, there's roles, right? So there's golden child, there's the scapegoat child, uh, there's the lost child. All these children are really taking on projections the way the parent has denied them within themselves and then put it on the child to absorb. The fifth concept is the multi-generational transmission process. This is the transmission of small differences in the level of differentiation between parent 
and their children. So because there is an enmeshment between parents and children, there really is no difference between uh, the last generation or intergenerational issues. And they, in a sense, they all get kind of mushed together. They become enmeshed. And therefore, all the issues of the parents are going to be absorbed by the child. The child is going to be forced to grow up too soon, forced to take on all the parents' issues uh, of the last generation. Ultimately, they will most usually, if they don't do the healing work, will give it to their children and pass it on from generation to generation until somebody decides that they want to step in and heal the intergenerational trauma. The sixth concept is emotional cutoff. This is the act of reducing or cutting off emotional contact with family as a way of managing unresolved emotional issues. Many victims of abuse, specifically narcissistic abuse, uh, describe themselves as being feeling numb or feeling like they're out of touch with their authentic self or with their emotions. Uh, this is usually because essentially they have defended against the pain by just cutting it off, distancing themselves from it or denying it from their consciousness. And you see many people who have a very difficult time emotionally regulating when they get triggered, mostly because they have been in denial of their emotional field for so long that when their emotions do show up, they absolutely do not have the skill set to deal with them and therefore they continue to cut them off and disconnect from them altogether. The seventh concept is the sibling position. This is the impact of sibling position on development and behavior. So Obviously, in narcissistic homes, there's going to be roles, there's going to be different uh, for the first child and the last child, the middle child syndrome, of course, and many of these are going to impact the way the self is developed. And oftentimes you see in narcissistic homes where the oldest children will actually become uh, sort of parental and will try to really take control for the neglectful or the emotionally immature and abusive parents. And the eighth and final element of the Murray-Bowen family systems theory is societal emotional process. This is the idea that the emotional system governs behavior on a societal level, pr promoting both progressive and regressive periods in a society. This is the idea that depending on the specific generation that we live in, whether it's a more tough time uh, or it's more easygoing, this will greatly impact the way uh, we raise our children and ultimately the way the health of the individual and the sense of self that is developed. I hope that this podcast brought some clarity to narcissism and allowed you to get a better idea of how the Bowen family system theory does apply to narcissism. If you want to check out more on this topic, do check out the bowencenter.org. Many of the insights from this podcast were shared from that specific website. Fantastic information to really understand narcissism and how our childhood is deeply impacted by the relationships, by our parents, specific way that our family structure was set up. So do check that out. I want to thank you so very much for joining me for today's episode. It is an absolute honor to bring you this information today. And until next time, all the very best.